So this podcast is about decisions, life decisions that we make as teenagers. And I'm going to talk about a time when I had to make some decisions like that. And now, many years later, we can talk about the consequences of those decisions. Uh, when I was a teenager, I was interested in science. I was interested in music. Uh, I was interested in travel and had to decide, you know, what kind of direction I was going to go in. Um, at 16, I took driver's education and I was also applied to work in cancer research at a place called the Waldemar Cancer Research um, Center. And it was started by a sort of renegade scientist by the name of Bernard Malamut. And 700 students applied, teenagers, to, to get this job working along with the scientists. They took 10, and I was one of the 10. So before I, I went to, to, to do this job, I had met somebody who was also 16 and had just got his driver's license, and he proposed that we go on a, a trip down south in a car that belonged to his father's company. And my parents said, sure, go ahead. Now, to me, this is a little bit insane that you're going to let your 16-year-old who just got his driver's license go with another 16-year-old and drive all the way down south. But this was the attitude that my parents had about me, which, which I guess was a good thing. They, um, they trusted me in my judgment. They said, go ahead. And so we did. So just at the beginning of that summer, uh, we took off in this car. And I mean, I was such a beginning driver that when we went through the Queens Midtown Tunnel, it was absolutely terrifying to both of us. And I remember I, that um, when we were driving through, uh, one of us would be on the other side, on the passenger side, calling out how many feet away we were from the side. <laughs> Three feet, two feet, four feet, just because we were afraid we were going to crash into the, the side of the tunnel. So that is how much uh, beginners we were. Made it through the tunnel and started heading down south on the uh, interstate. And uh, I'm trying to remember if there was an interstate back then. I think they may have just created it. <laughs> but it was right. It, yeah, I think we did go on an interstate. And we headed down south. And we had no money to speak of. And sometimes we would just sleep in the car. And sometimes we would negotiate with the owners of motels. Uh, I may have gotten some of my chops doing this kind of thing uh, in terms of 
negotiating all kinds of things for schools, for whatever, uh, travel, uh, for the rest of my life. But just having an experience like this obviously gives you confidence to do almost any kind of new experience or travel or whatever that, that you might come across. And so there we were, heading down south and uh, stopping, seeing the sights, and we made it all the way down to Georgia. And we made it into the town of Waycross. And we were driving in Waycross. For some reason, I remember it was a Thursday. It was very, very hot out. And the cops started pulling behind us. And they had us pull over. Now, I've always looked kind of young for my age, but you can imagine both of us at 16 must have looked very young. And the police pulled us over and accused us of having, having stolen our own car. And they took us into the Waycross, Georgia police station and held us there for a while. They checked out the car and discovered that it was not actually registered to his father. A car had been stolen of that description uh, in that town and so they were sure that we had just stolen that car. And so we eventually tried to reach his parents and they finally confirmed that it belonged to his father's company and they let us go after maybe two or three hours in the police station. So we were <laughs> quite relieved uh, having gone through that experience. And I remember uh, that night we went to visit the natural tunnel on a, uh, in one of the parks there. They had a light show. You know, these are some of the kinds of things that that we experienced as we traveled along. And eventually we made our way back up the East Coast and got ready to start this job at the Waldemar Cancer Research Laboratories. So while I was there, I learned about the concepts of cancer research that they were doing. Now, I never really knew this till a much, much later, but Malamut was working on a theory that was considered to be pretty heretical at the time. And that was that in some ways, the immune system had something to do with cancer and its causes and its cures. We actually, uh, did research along these lines. We worked on some of their projects and we also had to do some bibliographical research in a field that we would choose. So uh, other things that I had to make decisions about at the time was whether I would continue playing tennis seriously whether I would continue playing the violin seriously. And my teacher at that time uh, in, for violin 
was somebody who, whose teacher had been the greatest violin teacher of all time, Leopold Auer in Russia. His name was Chick Melnikov. He wasn't particularly famous himself. He played in an orchestra uh, on television. Uh, but Leopold Auer had been the teacher of people like Yehudi Menuhin, uh, David Oistrach, Yasha Heifetz, the greatest violinists, basically, that ever lived. And they all came from Russia, and they were taught by Leopold Auer. And I had a chance to continue with that, but I decided I was going to go in the direction of science. And so that's why I applied for and got this internship, or whatever you want to call it, and wound up working at Waldemar. Getting back to, um, to the research, I had discovered in my research that 17,000 German beekeepers had a very low rate of neoplastic disease, that is cancer. And so I had a theory that I developed that the fact that they were being bitten by bees may have stimulated their reticuloendothelial system, their natural immune system. And so I had a theory about that. Uh, and then the next year, I actually wound up going to uh, uh, Goddard College. And I decided to try to keep on working on this idea there. And I had some you know, white mice and transplantable cancer, but I only had a, a budget of about $50. So it wasn't a whole lot that I could do with that. And then at one point, I had to go away for a work term, sort of a, the internship program that you do uh, at Goddard, a two-month program. And so I had to teach the kids at a 4-H club where I was volunteering how to do the cancer research while I was gone. And ironically, that kind of moved me in the direction of education. And I think that's one thing that moved me in that direction and maybe eventually away from science. But meanwhile, I've always wondered what would have happened if I had turned my attention to science. I like solving problems. I'm pretty creative about these things. And I started working on my theory there, and these kids, as I said, did it for the two months I was gone. But after that, some people from an apiary came to see me because it turned out that this actually had made news. I was on the radio in New York. I, uh, there were newspaper articles about how uh, I remember the title of his, knee, his team has a young look about how I taught them cancer research. And so I, they, they proposed that they take over the work that I had started. They were very interested to see whether this had any significance. And to tell you the truth, I never heard back from them. And always wondered about my theory until about a month ago. So I get um, a newsletter uh, 
every every uh, week or so called bottom line health. And I saw this little item in it, and I'll read it. And it says, bee venom kills breast cancer cells. In laboratory experiments, melatonin, a peptide in honeybee venom, destroyed triple negative breast cancer cells. It reduced the chemical messages that are essential to cancer cell growth and division and destroyed the cancer cell membranes. So this was kind of a shock for me to see this maybe 50 years later. And it made me wonder again, well, did I make the right decision when I decided to go in the direction of education, not pursue tennis seriously, not pursue the violin, and eventually going to education and away from science. Because here it is, the very thing I was working on 50 years ago, and it actually worked to cure cancer. And the other thing that's very interesting is the work that Bernard Mullamut was doing at the Waldemar Cancer Research Laboratory, which eventually closed, was the forerunner to the main kind of work that is being done now in cancer research, where they have discovered that the genetic aspect and the immune system stimulation is one of the most powerful sources of cancer cures. So, this is about decisions, and of course, I'll never know.